Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name's Ellie Nunn, and joining me is my very own miniature pony. It's James Evans, <laughs> like the lame one that can't walk and has a massive pot belly. <laughs> right, it's pretty on point. If I ever told you about when I went uh, to stay on one of my road trips around America and I stayed with a family in Nashville who owned miniature donkeys oh. called Jelly Bean and Candy Floss. It was very Lisa Vanderpump of them. Oh, the gorgeous little darlings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh sexy puppy, little you're... thing. Oh, I just want to take you and put you in my knickers. Oh. God, that went a bit carry on then. <laughs> it went a bit ooh <laughs> It's a bit of Sid James. It, it's, it will be interesting what our impressions of Lisa are like because I don't know about you, but whenever I try and anglicize an American song, mm-hmm. like a, a like a musical theatre song, yeah. for instance, I am incapable <laughs> doing of doing a British accent. <laughs> no, it's really hard. So you'll suddenly yeah. have me being like, <laughs> being like, "Don't rain on my parade." <laughs> it's like I sound like Kyle <laughs> doing an impression of Lisa Vanderpump. Oh God! Where it's like, why can't I no, do my it's own? It's going to go that way. I think it's going to be the same for me. You're like I really panic when I do a Lisa. Yeah, I just forget what vowels are and how to do them properly. You know it's what like, I exactly, it's you, James? You've got it. It's so interesting that none of them can do a good impression of Lisa. And for anyone out there who thinks Kyle is doing a good impression, you're wrong. It really, and I'm sure that we're now going to like butcher Lisa's oh, cadence. Sure. But it really, it, and also I find it really fascinating. Whenever they argue with Lisa, they always all feel the need to do an impression of her yeah. accent when they're making their point. And I'm like, it really undermines your point yeah. if you do a terrible, like I would never do that to like, an American friend. I think, I mean, <laughs> I like to think my American accent isn't terrible. I mean, the whole breadth of work that we've put out on this podcast would probably say otherwise, but I wouldn't have the confidence to ever do an American accent sure. to someone's face impersonating them, much less in no. an argument when the stakes are so high. In a serious yeah. conversation. Exactly. I was watching Eileen today doing that thing of being like, when when did the affair yeah, yeah, yeah. start? Yeah, Eileen loves it. And I was like, Eileen... Pick your yeah, moment. Yeah. I I think about that Eileen bit. The bit where they're having the lunch and then Eileen is really funny when she's trying to get Lisa to apologise and then Lisa's like, oh, the, the ponies are out. Oh, someone should, should get the ponies back in. And she's like, oh, the swans are walking about now. She's just trying to do everything but talk to Eileen about this affair. And then Eileen... Use the menagerie. Use the menagerie. <laughs> and then Eileen does an impression of her and she's like, where is that zebra? And I'm like, no, it's zebra. If you got it right, you would say Zebra. Yeah. You know, it's the little Come things. on, Eileen, you're an actor. I have to say, it's not it's not a good look on Eileen this season. Watching back the Dubai episodes, I was like, she, she there's something very annoying about <laughs> Eileen. <laughs> Where previously I just find her very boring. Mm-hmm. I find her very irritating. I've in, um, written in Dubai. so much about Eileen. I didn't think I had it in me to have so many thoughts about Eileen, but it just sort of came out of my fingertips last night. I was tapping away on my keyboard and I think second to Beast, how dare you? This is like yeah. the most relevant <laughs> Eileen has ever been. She's such a key player in that sure. Dubai trip. Absolutely. We'll I'd really it. forgotten how, how, yeah, what a key player she was in that season. And it was interesting, exactly like you say, it was like realizing that you care passionately about a cause that you didn't realize mm-hmm. like was important to you when you suddenly get really het up and you're like, oh, it turns out like 
God, I, I really care about underprivileged children. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Eileen Davidson. I, did, I didn't I know, know you that. I, I, oh, <laughs> I bore you this much feeling. Something strange within me. Beast. How dare you? Uh, how dare you? Lisa. Uh, <laughs> where do we even start? Um, LVP. So I think the big thing with LVP, isn't it? I think how history's remembered her is this thing of her being a master manipulator. Yeah. It seems to be this recurring theme, this sort of biennial tradition that comes up every two years where there's just like a mass Lisa Vanderpump mutiny where they all try and get her off the show. And it's normally led by one person who has been her best friend and a bit of a sidekick and then they kind of tire of her or feel like their strings are getting pulled a bit too tightly and then they kind of try and turn the tide against her. And the way I see it, it's ha- it happens three times, doesn't it? It happens once in season four and Brandy's leading the charge, mm. then once in season six in Dubai and then once in season mm. nine or whatever her last season was with the Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy situation. So debacle. the whole debacle. And they really are variations of a theme. And I think it's good to kind of just do a deep dive into one or two Mm. of them as like a case study. Yeah, they all use the same language, don't they? They really do. They follow the same script. They really follow the same script. And you see them improving on it each time. It's like a draft and and then the Mm. next draft and the next draft to find fine And it's also interesting because the the more that they replay this same scenario, the more I find myself torn as to how I feel. Mm-hmm. If that makes it like it's effective as well, because I think having been a huge supporter of LVP for much of Beverly Hills, you start to find yourself being like, oh, maybe there is truth in that. Or maybe there is, like, maybe we don't see something. And it's very effective to constantly allude to this power that she has over them. Mm-hmm. And also, it's really fascinating. I really want to talk today about how often I do think it comes down to a sort of cultural difference mm-hmm. that lies sort of at the core of the argument each time. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to talk about how flawed Lisa Vanderpump is as a person as well, because I think that that's important. And I think, I actually think that there's a lot of truth in the argument each time. Yeah. I just think that it's, I think she's held to a different standard to the other women. And I think the core of my argument mm-hmm. running through this episode would be that there are plenty of people on that show who know how the show works and who know how to get the material that the producers want mm-hmm. and that the audience want. And it's not acknowledged because that would be a very meta thing to do and I think what happens again and again with Lisa Vanderpump that I find difficult is everyone seems to allude to her manipulation of the others to create drama in a way that I'm like but aren't you all doing that right that's how a reality show show. works yeah yeah and she's sort of um nailed the cross for it yeah it's interesting yeah you're really touching on so many things that I also came across in my research here and like all good things on this show it suddenly gets very meta and it then opens up this whole can of worms of like the ethics of reality television and what is permissible and what isn't Mm. and and the kind of the machinations behind the scene and I, I can't wait to to dive into it so so where shall we begin like what what do you have the bulk of your notes on maybe we can try and sync up here (laughs) yes i don't have any notes today. great okay cool 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 (laughs) i'm freestyling 
I'm freestyling. I'm feeling confident. I feel sometimes I make my best work when I uh, speak from the heart. Right. Okay, cool. So let's, I, I've, what I've done is I focus mainly on the season six Munchausen's gate. Which is interesting because going back and watching it, I see that as such a dud season in my head and as so boring. And actually I was watching it back and I was like, there's so, it's so, those Dubai episodes are so rich in. Oh, completely. Like, uh, Research, as you call it. It is. I mean, I, yeah, people remember it as a kind of a boring season, sort of the beginning of the decline of Beverly Hills. And the Munchausen mm. storyline itself is very long and drawn out. And everyone, mm. it, it, they start that thing of focusing just on that storyline and nothing else, which is what they tend to do for the following seasons. But on a strategic level, I find it all very gripping and it's like a crazy conspiracy theory that Lisa was behind the whole thing. And it's this incredibly elaborate and insane scheme. And it's kind of shocking just how close Lisa does come to getting away with the whole thing until we get this very uh, like explosive trip to, to Dubai. So I'm kind of looking forward to talking about that. But I think just before we get into the whole Munchausen's thing, it maybe would be helpful to just go back and talk a little bit about Brandy because I think that's really... For sure. It's really important. Yeah, it's where the important... And also, I think one of the... One of the things that's important about it is that there is a common thread holding together with Brandy and Lisa Rinna and Teddy... Right. ...in season nine, which is the... And this is where I think that there's a cultural difference that lies in it, which is each time the person who has done something wrong, the person each time, so Brandy, Lisa Rinna and Teddy were all the ones that perpetrated like the action that hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And each time, because they cop to it and say, I did a really shitty thing, for some reason they are absolved Mm -hmm. of the shitty thing. Right. And each time Lisa is accused of something and everyone keeps saying, if you just admit it, then we'll move on. And this is where it's interesting because, you know, maybe if she did do those things, then maybe they're right. But if she didn't, she keeps making the point in each of these scenarios. Why would I admit to something I didn't do? Yeah. I'm not going to admit to it so that we can move on Mm -hmm. if I didn't do it Mm -hmm. or if that wasn't my intent, if I'm, if I'm being mislabeled or misrepresented it's so fascinating that it's like the same pattern that this whole thing of own it or cop to it is that there's something interesting in the way that with brandy and lisa rinner and teddy all of them okay controversially i'm going to say you know um in a lot of churches there's a and when i say churches i mean like in a lot of strains of religion, there's a sense of if you confess or confession, then you can be healed or absolved mm-hmm. or forgiven. Yeah. And I don't think we have that in the same way in the UK. Mm-hmm. In terms of, I think that there's much more of a history of like guilt and mm-hmm. of yes. sin and things like that in a way that uh, maybe I'm talking in huge broad brushstrokes, but I feel like there's there's more of an American history of come forth and confess your sins and, and then the sinner is healed and we move forward. Yep. To me, that's really integral to like each of these arcs, if that makes sense, which is there's this real sense from the Americans of I've owned my shit and therefore I'm okay, but you won't own your shit. Right. And... Lisa Vanderpump gets very bogged down in like 
tr- detail and truth and like uh, integrity mm-hmm. more than and this idea of like one's character and character assassination where someone like Lisa Rinner I think is like yeah yesterday I was a bit of a bitch today I'm feeling nice or whatever and like that's yeah. part of her whole thing is that she's like yeah I'm crazy I'm mad whereas Lisa Van Pump is very concerned about her own image and about her character yeah. and I think that that is the backbone of the three scenarios that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's completely the Ramona Singer thing that we were talking about in her episode yes! last year. And and I feel like it made me think a lot. At that point that you made with Ramona is fascinating and it stuck with me. And I think that a lot of reality television, perhaps especially in America, is built on that idea of confession and absolution. And that's integral to keep the train moving so that you don't get bogged down in grudges and going back over the mm. same thing again and again. And we all kind of know that that's not how and people work in real life exactly and that's one of lisa vanderpump's problems and one right. of the things she is bad at with the show is she does hold a grudge yep. massively and she does punish people mm-hmm. for past things and she does use humor to do it where exactly what you just said that the others there's a real sense of like last season i hated you this season we're getting on really well like what can i say i've now realized that i really like this person right. lisa vanderpump doesn't do that she's very consistent in how she feels about things mm-hmm. And it was interesting watching those Dubai episodes. I was really thinking Lisa Rinna has real similarities to Ramona on that front of the kind of like lovable, like, yeah, I did a terrible thing. And I'm, you know what? I'm really sorry. No, I'm suddenly going to be really genuine. I'm suddenly going to be like the one that's sitting there being like, I now understand like that what I did was wrong. That's what Ramona does mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. And you, can you imagine Lisa Vanderpump doing that ever? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's all part of a kind of larger than life personality. And then I imagine though, if Lisa, Lisa were to, very... if she were to do that though, I feel like everyone would then suddenly go, hang on, this, why is she doing this all of a sudden? This seems like a very calculated move. Mm. And it just plays into this very kind of like James Bond villainess thing that they often have going for her, where her accent seems to have well, this. Well, that's the layer. other thing is, exactly. And that's the other thing is that as we, as we go through, there are quite a few moments where Lisa's attempt at a genuine apology is undermined either by herself which she does do all of the time and i think that that also partly comes from the british sensibility of like a discomfort with um sentimentality Mm -hmm. where like again you look at the americans on the show they just like they love when it gets sentimental my god that episode recently with garcelle opening up about like feeling different and feeling like not belonging and they were all just like orgasming over it because they were like you've just been so vulnerable yeah and they just loved it also lol to kathy hilton (laughs) when garcelle was like have you ever (laughs) felt different and kathy hilton's like yes yes i have (laughs) it's like garcelle read i know how you feel (laughs) (laughs) yes uh But that's such an example where it's like they love that sentimentality. And I think often Lisa Vanderpump, as if something strays into sentimental, she uses humor. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's often taken to be her undermining the authenticity of the thing. Do you remember that time? It was at the beginning of, it must have been season seven because it was after the whole Eileen and Vanderpump falling out thing. And it's at the opening party in the first episode and Lisa goes up to Eileen and she says, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. And you see Eileen's face go, it's like her eyes widen. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to get an apology. And then Lisa goes, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother passing away. That's awful. 
and it's genuine. And then Eileen bursts out laughing and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm just so thrown because I thought you were going to apologize for everything you did last season. And Lisa's kind of going, no, I'm it. I, no, your mother died. Mm. I'm saying that's really, I'm really sorry to hear that. And it feels like a bit of a repeat of that whole Taylor situation of no, I'm not masquerading I as your best friend. I was just about to say. If you need anything. Exactly. And it's kind of twisted to be, it's so jarring how that is probably an occasion where Lisa is the most sentimental, almost emotionally attuned at that moment. And, and everyone else is working on quite a superficial level. Mm. But because it's not playing into the game of what sentimentality should look like on the show and how it should fit in with a certain storyline, mm. everyone kind of looks at it a bit side-eyed in a way that they don't trust. Yeah, them. I think that moment that of Taylor taking what Lisa said, which is I'm not masquerading as your best friend, but you know that if you need anything, I'm here. And making it like, you keep coming up to me and saying, I'm not your friend. And it's like, I come back to that often as evidence through these other scenarios of I don't trust necessarily the relaying of what Lisa has pulled people aside and said Mm -hmm. in terms of, I mean, we'll get to it, but things like the, why did, why didn't you bring up Kyle? I can see a world in which she was like, was worried that Lisa Rinna intended in the future to imply and to tar all three of them and was saying, you didn't bring up Kyle. And I'm just saying, speak for yourself. Don't speak for us Mm -hmm. as well. And then went to Kyle and said, I was worried she was going to bring up Kyle. And instead that's used as evidence of, it's just, yeah, I think it's all very flimsy that it's off and off camera. Exactly. It's di- ah, it's difficult. It's should hard, we, yeah, yeah, because it's because it's also nebulous. It's quite hard to kind of know where to start and how to form it. And also, because- it's and it's also hard because part of me thinks I actually wouldn't be that surprised if you know if we start with Brandy, I kind of wouldn't be that surprised if Lisa was like, "You should take them about the tabloids," because there is part of me that thinks in the same way that Kyle knows that if she goes to Carlton in her first couple of episodes and is like, "Oh, do you do spells?" that that's what the show wants and they want to play the spooky music. Right. I'm like, Lisa Vanderpump probably also knows that Brandy's kind of the villain of the show or Brandy's the outspoken one or the, the one that drinks it or whatever. So if anyone's going to do it, then Brandy mm-hmm. is going to be the one. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I also don't think it's that mad that Lisa maybe does imply to them like that the show will like that. Yeah. But I'm also like, come on, where are all of your own brains? Exactly. The, it's very frustrating on the show that these women who constantly take such pride in being like strong role models or like sticklers for like truth or like how you should or owning it or whatever constantly are able to fall back on this thing of being like, I was manipulated. I think the thing with Brandy that gets me, there's a couple of things with that Brandy situation where first of all, how quickly they become friends because they spend the majority of season two not really interacting with each other. And... Mm. Lisa at the Hawaii trip kind of is sort of uh, hazing Brandy a bit. There's like a comment after comment about like, oh, where's the rest of your bikini? Ha 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 ha. And that sort of thing. And then there's something happens after season two, as they go into season three, where they are joined at the hip and Mm -hmm. Brandy has just dumped Adrian for Lisa. And it's never quite established what that 
is. And even though Brat Adrian got on the wrong side of Lisa at the reunion the year before by accusing her of selling stories to the papers, people, I think, tend to look back at that moment as one of the examples of Lisa, probably the first example of Lisa getting her claws into someone susceptible to her charms and getting them to do all her dirty bidding for them. And that may be completely possible. But I think equally, judging from years of documented evidence on Brandy's part, it's also just as possible that Brandy, sort of consummate social climber that she is, probably dropped Adrian like a bag of sick for this woman who is richer and more powerful and went at Adrian like an attack dog because she thought it would like curry Lisa's favour in some way. But also like look at Brandy and Kim. Like Kim is just as vulnerable in that relationship as Brandy is in hers with Lisa. I also get the sense throughout the show that Lisa doesn't need any of their friendship, which is why they all claw for it so much, is that she... She's naturally very funny and she's naturally very smart. And throughout the seasons, whether it's Taylor crying that it's like, I want you to like me because I, you're so strong and I look up to you. Or Kyle kind of forgiving Lisa everything supposedly because it's like, ultimately, I want to be your friend. And Lisa keeps making the point to them that it's like, why would you want to be my friend if you think I'm this terrible Completely. person? Completely, yeah, yeah. But the point is that she does have an aloofness and a sense of humour that makes her very likeable. They all agree that constantly. So she doesn't need to like get her claws into Brandy and make her her friend. Like Brandy very clearly wants to be her friend a lot. Right, right, right. They almost present it every single one of them like a compliment sandwich you know where it's like Lisa you're great everybody loves you but you're fundamentally an untrustworthy person but I still want to be your friend and you do see it with all of those people that you just said even with Erica there's she kind of came out of the gate and probably had Lisa's number the quickest but even then the way Erica interacts with her it's with this kind of grudging respect as if they're like two rivals Mm. of a gang in some ways they really there is like a respect there I also feel like they all have it with Erica as well which is like they're all a bit scared of Erica so they kind of want Erica to like them right it's just an interesting study in how humans work but it's it's like with the whole intelligence thing with Lisa yes she is obviously a very very clever woman especially by the low low intellectual bar of these sorts of shows but they talk about her as if she's fucking Stephen Hawking or something and what's frustrating about (laughs) it is that it absolves any of the women from backing up their claims, as you said, with like Teddy or Brandy or Rinna, the people who we know for a fact have done bad things and they happen to cop to it and they've done it on camera. But then rather than yeah, coming up- Yeah, but they're all just like, she's so much smarter yeah, than rather than, than coming up with like cold, hard evidence- of how they've been manipulated. It's all like, Lisa, you're a smart woman. You know exactly what you were doing. You didn't need to say anything. You didn't need to do it. You yeah, got what exactly. you wanted. And then if Lisa does go like, no, what did I do? Like, honestly, I don't know what you're talking about. They're all like, oh, Lisa, don't play dumb. You know exactly what you're doing. You, you didn't have to say it. You said it. It's the way you said it. Yeah, it's like when Brandy has that bit where she's like, Lisa never... When she's like talking about her, she's like, she never like told me to do anything, but she was able to get me to do her dirty work. And you're just like, but without ever using words. It's honestly like elevated to a (laughs) mythical level. Like Brandy makes it seem like Lisa literally had like a voodoo doll of Adrian and was like practicing black magic on it, presumably with the help of Carlton. It's just, it's insane. It's that season, isn't it, as well, where Brandy seems to have like a permanent allergic reaction that means that she talks as if her tongue is like slightly too big for her mouth. What happened? Yeah. (laughs) But it does just become very histrionic. And all the women, they virtually like deify Mm. Lisa and put her on this pedestal. And then in the Mm. process, they humble themselves as if they're- For her to fall off. Yeah. 
But it's like... But then they like... And Lisa Renner actually says that directly when she's like, maybe I put you on a pedestal. And that's a and you problem. I'm so disappointed. And it's like, but that's a you problem. Yeah, completely. And it's like, at, the, at the end of the day, Lisa's not that smart and you're not all that dumb. Just everyone just calm down mm. a bit. Like you all have agency on this But show. I also think, again, it all comes back to this thing of like sentimentality versus like maybe an innate uncomfortableness with emotion that I'm afraid is very British. Where taking that, bra- that first Brandy situation and the holiday, um, where are they? Oh, Puerto Rico. Yeah. The holiday in Puerto Rico, uh, you know that first time that they confront Lisa when she's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And she walks off with the hat and pulls it down. I may be wrong, but I recognise such discomfort with emotion that you get constantly with Lisa Vanderpump that I think the reason she removes herself, I don't think, if she's as intelligent as they all say, I don't think she would remove herself from an argument out of a lack of articulacy to be able mm-hmm. to counter these things. I think that she is naturally very funny and very dry and is very comfortable in front of the camera being that. I think she's deeply uncomfortable with emotion. Mm-hmm. And so I think she removes herself in a very aloof manner. She's a bit like, um, what's Meredith's thing? I'm disengaging. Right. right. It's yeah. like she... She does do the thing of being like, no, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. Mm-hmm. And like shutting it down. And I, and you know, that is a problem in her that she should deal with. But I don't think it comes from being unable to make her argument, if that makes it. Like we've said so much with Lisa, especially across her first few seasons. It's very frustrating watching her because often she has the evidence or she has the, the but it's like she gives up or checks out or disengages or walks away or whatever. And it is annoying to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's annoying because it gives everyone else the justification or the vindication to be like, and this is what Lisa does. She then runs away. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of the season after the whole Eileen situation at the reunion where Lisa has to, it's like the, probably the most vulnerable she gets where she has to end up saying, listen, I've been a victim of domestic abuse myself. Mm. And you can just tell she really doesn't want to talk about it. And she really breaks down yeah. and she kind of gets a few words out and then she just goes, I can't do this. It feels a bit like the whole Garcelle situation where it's like you need to, it's like a necessary thing that she had to do in order to really display her emotion in a very kind of TV ready way. That's it. In order- is that I think that's it is that I think that they're all like, we need this emotion from you. Yeah. We need this vulnerability. And I think she's saying that that's just not who I am. Yeah. And that's like a fundamental problem yeah. throughout the shows is yeah. that she's very uncomfortable with emotion, both when she's upset, but also when she's showing someone that she loves them i think she has a similar thing which is she's very uncomfortable with sentimentality so she her way of showing affection to someone is she teases them yeah and then it's very frustrating when that's constantly taken as by everyone but especially like kyle constantly being like lisa makes these little like digs or jabs or whatever or this implication that because she's holding a grudge about last year she makes little but I'm like, Kyle does that all the time. Completely. Like, they all make jokes at each other's expense, especially in their talking They're heads. all the most indirect cast. And do these, like, catty things. But with Lisa, it's always turned as if it's a bit like, mm, they, and they're doing it with Garcelle. Like I was going to say, like, the exact mm, same thing. You make jokes, but your jokes are little digs. But you all make catty comments yeah no that's the name of the game i don't get why after 10 years we're suddenly pretending why we're all affronted that garcelle is saying something bitchy in her confessionals behind dorit's back it's like that's what the whole premise 
it's That's built the on show. surely exactly. why is there this double standard and why not to go on about it because we'll end up doing an episode on it further down the road but why erica holds herself in a very similar way to lisa that whole kind of like being quite cold and not mm. emotional not showing anything withholding but she's sort of she's rewarded for it by these women even though the likes of Lisa have been punished for it. And also, there's, it's odd that Lisa's very rarely rewarded for her integrity or for her consistency. And I think she often tries to make this reminder. I know she says to Carl all the time, where she's like, I've been a good friend to you, or like, I've been loyal to you, or I've stuck up for you. And that gets turned often into representing like, you owe me, or I own you, yeah. because I've stuck up for you. When actually it's like, is there no reward for that over someone like Lisa Rinner? who can be like a dick to Dorit. And then the next season at the beginning is like, I really want to start fresh with yeah. you. And it's like, you know, it, with every, every season starts with Lisa Rinna sitting on a fucking bed with someone being like, how do we move forward? How do we go yeah. forward? I'm like, I would rather, I find the flakiness far more annoying. I find the thing of someone where it's like, that's just how I am this week, a la Ramona, mm-hmm. much more annoying than someone who consistently is like, I like who I like and I don't like what I don't like. Can I just say, before I forget, and just because it's recently, I I love Garcelle. I think she's a great addition. She's one of my Mm. favorites at the moment. But I can't help but feel that she really, really fumbled the ball in the reunion with Rinna and let Rinna get away with that whole tactic, with the whole thing of Lisa going, you know, I did the thing with Denise and I regret it. And I wanted to move forward with you and you don't want to do it. You're holding a grudge. And then that thing of holding a grudge being a really dirty word on these shows, acting like a normal human being who maybe has their guard up when they've seen someone display behavior that isn't particularly savory to them. Garcelle fell into that trap of going, no, I'm not holding a grudge. I'm not holding a grudge. Mm. That bit was so weird. Did you notice when Lisa Renner went over for the hug? yeah. Which was also really weird and sat very strangely. It definitely felt like Garcelle felt that she had to do that exactly. for the show. That's another sentimental thing. And there was a really weird moment where Dorit, maybe, or someone said something under their breath and it got subtitled and then it just got moved on by the show. It was really weird. There was a moment that definitely implied that there was like more beef there. Oh, between Garcelle and Rinna? Yeah, I definitely, I go back and watch oh, it. When they're hugging, there's a really, there's a really weird moment that happens where someone, I can't remember who it is, who was on the other side of Rinna? Um, Maybe Erica. Right. It might be, it might be Erica. Someone says something yeah. that basically implies that it's bullshit. And implies exactly what we're saying, that it's like a moment the show wants, but it's not real. It's not, yeah. It's saying a platitude and getting rewarded for it, which Rinna does very well again and again. And I just wish that Garcelle had said, there's a way you can say, no, it's not necessarily me holding a grudge or fighting Denise's battle for her, but just as a friend who has a similar history to Denise that you have, it obviously changes the way I see you as a friend because you did this to Denise and no matter how much you say you regret it now, yeah. by not willing to enact any actual change and reach out to Denise as she kind of yeah. challenged her to do, I can't really move forward. And that's the thing with Lisa Vanderpump is that I so often I agreed with her logic season to season of like, why wouldn't I be cautious after what happened last season? Exactly. Or why wouldn't I hold a bit of a... Gr- like, she's not prepared to do what the show wants, which is a kind of total brush off of the season mm. before always. And what happens with the Lisa thing is that because of that, and because it's always 
a takedown on mass what lisa then has to do is maybe win over one or two of the old friends normally kyle but then on top of that she has to rely on this conveyor belt of new housewives who come in who immediately like rinna like teddy like eileen to an extent are sort of taken in by her like superficial charms and she sort of gets them on side and then they're on her side for maybe one season and then it's that whole Mm. reprise of like oh my god i see it now and she used me Mm. so I'm finding it really funny how serious we both are today. <laughs> We're talking Honestly, like it's so news seriously. night or something. Yeah, this is. I know, work. like this is our Pulitzer. Like this, this is the most serious I think we've been about anything. I'm so taking far. it very. It's really funny. We didn't even we didn't even come in with any banter. We were just like straight no, down into to being the business. Like, I'm pissed. Well, I last night yeah. Michael and I were like having a joint study session. We were both sat on the sofa and we were like tapping away on our laptops. And then he was studying about because he's about to become a physical therapist so he was studying about pharyngeal nerves or something and i was studying lisa vanderpump (laughs) and then he kept asking me to test him on the nervous system and i was getting really cross and i was like i don't think you realize how stressed i am right now we're recording tomorrow like these notes on on the dubai trip they're not going to write themselves okay like this is it's important they just don't get it do you have anything do you have anything else to say about the Puerto, puerto rico trip i mean we've got to talk about that iconic um uh even brandy and the shot when she had the cigarette and it looked like sort of b-roll footage from the news or something of like the downfall of a celebrity it was such a huge it's always like an earthquaking moment when we see one of these housewives smoking on camera and that was definitely it's such a yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it it was very et tu brute wasn't it it was very et tu brute i have to say i think sometimes ken is a bit of a contributor to Lisa's downfall yep. in the sense of Ken is very unfiltered. He You're so stupid he, again. Wanker. You're so stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what's the one where it's like he makes the situation look very bad, yep. I think, at the end of that season, in terms of he's very unfiltered, he's very defensive of Lisa. They both they're very defensive of each other in a bit of a blinkered way of like well, that's my other half and I'm going to defend them. To be fair, they all do that. So like, I get it. That's what being in a relationship is. Ken just features very heavily. Mm -hmm. But I I particularly remember with that dinner and then the party that they're all at afterwards where Ken has a kind of grumpy old man tendency that doesn't help Lisa's cause. Yes. When it happens. And it means when they just cut and leave in those scenarios, it's kind of perfect fodder for people to complain yeah and she's resolutely defensive of ken always in a way that is one of the sticking points for me that i disagree i don't i find it weird that she can't every now and then be like he shouldn't have done that and i'm sorry well she kind of does it with everyone doesn't she she does it with brandy she spends the first couple of seasons or season and a half defending brandy even when it her behavior does get really really bad and really racist and i think mm. so i it's it's not like i don't that's actually that's actually the most i dislike completely yeah her friendship with brandy and i think you're right i think she has a tendency in every season to always go about anyone to be like well that's how they feel so yeah. I'm not going to speak for them. But sometimes I it, it's not going to sit well with people. At least she's consistent with she's that. She's consistent. And I think maybe it is, maybe it's not fair for her to expect that in return. Maybe, it, I, I, I don't know, but it's 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 not like she just, people make it seem like she collects these minions and she doesn't really do much with them. But I think it's not fair to apply that to something like Brandy, especially when 
Brandy, the, the problem with Brandy trying to take Lisa down is that she doesn't just come out of the gate straight away and say, Lisa's been manipulating me. She kind of really prevaricates and takes her time to get there. Because first of all, it's this thing of Lisa's mothering her too much and it's suffocating. Oh, the broken wrist yeah, thing. Yeah, and then she's like, she asked like me she to go to the doctor and it's really insincere. She's doing it for the cameras to reinforce this power dynamic. And it's like, I really don't think she i think she's genuine like your your wrist is like twice as big as it should be like i think she's just genuinely it's worried so about weird and then suddenly brandy sort of pivots. but also it's really weird because it's like been their dynamic and it's worked and it's like it would right. be very confusing for me if one of my best friends suddenly took something that i've always done and that's always been a part of this like jokey jovial friendship yeah. and made it the problem and that's absolutely what happens there is that lisa's continuing as is and that whole thing of being like no you don't need to have another drink come on like yeah, yeah. oh come on you're being or whatever and everything becomes like you're suffocating me or you're stopping right. me from being who i am and it's like when actually i think you can tell that lisa's trying to protect the fact that she's like you're looking terrible yeah, right like you've gone from being charming to vile and it's like this kind of the cedric thing of having no problem living somewhere rent free and playing with puppies and diamonds and roses all day and not working and getting up at one in the afternoon but then as soon as you feel like that's not enough for you you feel like you're a plaything, and it's kind of like you're a grown man you kind of knew what this world was when you came into sure. it you know and that's fine if you want to have enough of it but don't make it seem like and you, that's the thing is take- that you're so right. And that's the thing is that Brandy has spent seasons being like, nobody tells me what to do. I'm my own person. Don't fucking try and control me or whatever. And she suddenly turns into this slightly simpering sort of like, I was just putty in Lisa's hands yeah. and I've just completely... And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, it's a very convenient rewriting of, as you say, like a really delightful couple of years. Yeah. And you know that that's there because then when it cuts to those reunions and things where Brandy's crying because she's like, they were like my family and it's not nice. I don't understand how Brandy makes herself the victim. It's it's crazy. Suddenly like, it's not nice to be dropped by your family. And Lisa sat there a bit like, yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You were like my my family family as well. Yeah. And they all do this thing constantly. It's the same with Rena. It's the same with Brandy of like, same with Kyle of going, but I didn't want to lose you as a friend. Like I still love you. But you've completely torn down that person's character and you are implying that they were not just manipulative, but manipulative enough for like you to not know what you would do, like to have this, like, why do you want to be in and how can you expect to be friends moving forward? Yeah, completely, completely. I think with the Brandy thing as well, what loses me is that she sort of pivots from the I'm being suffocated and you're mothering me or you're doing it for the cameras to then she does the complete opposite where she then says that Lisa's completely abandoned her when she loses her dog. She's like, you've dropped me. She dropped me. Exactly. And it's like, you can't go from one to the other. And then just to seal the deal, it's then the whole thing of I'm not over the whole Sheena situation and I feel humiliated every time she's saying, but it's like you filmed a scene with her of your own volition a year ago. Yeah. It's also that weird thing of like, do you love Sheena or me more? Yeah. Who would you save in a fire? Me or her? And Lisa's like, oh, well, I don't want to. It's so her. weird. I don't want any. She's like, well, I, w- I wouldn't want her to burn in a fire. And then she's like, well, I wouldn't want any of my waitresses to burn in a fire. Like it's such a. Exactly. It's that having to play that kind of very histrionic, like heightened stakes game. That's like very emotionally charged when it's all declarative where it doesn't reward any kind of nuance. And I feel like Lisa, because she's maybe a bit more intellectual, deals in nuance better than the other women. Yeah. But she's just speaking a completely different language that doesn't seem to reward her very often on this show. Um, can we... Are we, should we, should we... Are we on to season six? Yeah. This, 
I will say is where Lisa, I think, makes a couple of tactical errors here. Mm. And it all starts fairly innocently enough when they go on this trip to the Hamptons and Lisa's getting to know Eileen. And this is where I completely see both sides of the story, where Lisa's trying to get to know Eileen and she's sort of grilling her and she's asking her how she met her husband, Vince. And it turns out that they were both married separately already when they met each other and then they fell in love. And then there was like a bit of a gray area before they got their divorces and then married each other. Mm. And Lisa asks her, so when did the affair start? And it's that word affair that really sort of rankles Eileen. And Eileen sort of tiptoes around it and she she tries to bring it up with Lisa the next day and she goes, I don't know, I just, I, I felt kind of icky, you know, with the word affair. It just kind of, it felt icky. And I think this is a moment where Lisa, it would have behooved her to have just played the game and just given a routine oh, apology. Sure. Like, I'm so sorry. I completely didn't mean to offend you. I genuinely was trying to get to know you, which I do think she was. I actually don't think she was trying to embarrass her on purpose. It's the kind of way I would be. I, I, you know, if I have a couple of glasses of wine in me, I quite like to sort of get a bit interviewee and be like, if this isn't a rude question, can I ask you this or that? And the problem with Lisa, and it's how she survives all of these mutinies, she bends, but she never breaks. She refuses to move an inch or admit any kind of culpability because it's almost like a house of cards. If she admits to one thing, then the whole the whole then card all, is going to exactly. topple. But that's exactly it. And is this the bit when she says, oh, I'm sorry if I asked you too many too many questions questions <laughs> and it's like oh and she's you got so close, so close. it's if like she didn't laugh it was one syllable away. yeah and if you hadn't done that it's exactly i honestly that. think it would have been fine so then what we get for the rest like the next few weeks is eileen going i want an apology a real one and lisa just doesn't give it to her and then there's that moment when they're all at lunch well because also lisa vanderpump in her head is like I've apologized. Right. And this is where I come back like, to that sentimentality thing. I think in Lisa's head, she's like, I said, like, oh, I'm sorry if I asked you too many questions. And it's the difference between that and going, I'm sorry if I asked you too many questions. Right. Like, and it's the smallest thing. But in her head, she's like, but I did say sorry. And it's like, you didn't, yeah, you didn't like say sorry Lisa. with an edge of sentimentality or authenticity. You said sorry as if it was like weird that you were being asked to say sorry. Mm. And you were patronizing her. Exactly. And, and it absolutely, yeah. So when it so then close. becomes very clear that Eileen's never going to get this apology, you see her lips purse and her eyes narrow. And you can tell in that moment, Eileen decided that she would devote her mind, body, and soul, whatever it takes, to destroy <laughs> Lisa Vanderpump. And I honestly, it's like the most thrilling thing, especially from Eileen, no less. And I think in retrospect, not apologizing to Eileen was like a huge tactical error. It's one of those sliding doors moments where I think Lisa would potentially still be on the show today. I think yeah. it's like, fool me once with, oh no, I'm going to do a Camille thing. <laughs> But the thing, like the thing with Puerto Rico happening, it's like, okay, that happens to everyone. Like everyone takes it in turns to sort of be the villain of the season. And now this is a repeat of that. And we're really, this is like a narrative now that we're setting in stone. And then she sets up all the important work for the ladies to really finish Lisa off a few seasons later. So then what we see for the rest of the season. It's also funny because I don't, uh, well, yeah. what we see alongside Eileen's voice box getting higher and higher to the point that when they're in Dubai, she's like, ah! <laughs> she's so she becomes this little squeaky. She gets high. She gets like, so high. She's like high on the on the yeah. She gets kind of like hysterical, and because we see her working for the rest of the season, day in day out 
to get every single person on the cast to side with her against Lisa and flip their allegiances and further this narrative that Lisa is a manipulator with a capital M. And she was like a dog with a bone. She like figuratively sunk her teeth into Lisa's cankle and just refused to let go. And she's like, and it's this is the thing that gets me fundamentally is the hypocrisy of it it's all manipulation it's all subterfuge it's all like whispering in ears and planting seeds slowly chipping away at Rinna's trust in Vanderpump and also constantly going it's all based in like one's reaction feeding how another person feels about the situation which again is like without directly constantly just being like is that that's yeah but that's so weird like I don't do you not find that weird? <gasps> like, oh, oh I, I just, oh, okay. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And it's like, so they all start to be like, oh, yeah, it's maybe quite infectious. It is really, like, like, it's, <laughs> it's very on? infectious. Like she constantly with Rinna is just like, I don't, I, oh. Rinna is the key to all of this. Rinna is a consummate lackey and she's blinded by a respect for Lisa. And so she instinctively backs her up at the beginning. So she's the obstacle that Eileen needs to overcome, but also it's doable precisely because Rinna is a lackey and a people pleaser and does what anyone says. So if she gets Rinna, she's going to get everyone on side. And it's almost like you see Eileen take Rinna's hand, sit her down, get out her PowerPoint presentation and go through point by point every element of Lisa's dastardly plan. And the gag is, is that, as I said, Eileen's manipulating... Rinna openly on camera but it's not even for any noble reason like Eileen's personally affronted by manipulation as a concept clearly not because she does it it's because she hates Lisa Vanderpump because she tried to embarrass her on camera by asking her about her husband Mm. and I think where it gets really Lucy Lucy apple juicy is oh I thought you were gonna say icky icky it's icky it's I don't know I just feel kind of icky it's just it's icky so I actually do think that this line that both Rinna and Kyle give about oh I thought you were going to bring Kyle into it or I I was worried that Rinna was going to bring you into it I actually see it as a bit of a a smoking gun myself Mm. and I think it is actually the best evidence I can think of on the show where women come up independently with evidence that corroborates each other and it doesn't paint Lisa in the best light I agree that watching the Dubai episodes and the reunion of this season, I was like, it does feel the hardest to get out of compared to what we'll talk about in a minute with Teddy, where I think Teddy does a shitty thing and then for some reason is able to just be like, no, I was like manipulated by Lisa Vanderbilt. Uh That was, as I started, I was like, I can't really remember what Teddy sounded like. So it was, sort of, <laughs> it was a bit of a stab Pretty on the dark. for Teddy, I mean. Um, this is is the hardest and I guess that was the point is that my head was trying to work out is there a phrase she could have said to Rinna the only thing I could think of was like could she have been saying why didn't you say let's let's say that so they initially talked about the Munchausen's thing with Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump yeah. well no no with Kyle there and Lisa Vanderpump wasn't there and the point is that she spoke to Lisa Vanderpump about it Kyle told Lisa Vanderpump mm-hmm. and they I don't think that Lisa Vanderpump and Kyle were both there the first time the Munchausen thing came up I think the idea is it was Lisa Renner and Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump is saying but you and Kyle had spoken about it together more and me and Kyle had spoken about it but her point was that she was like Renner and Vanderpump hadn't spoken about the Munchausen thing together so I was trying to work out is there I'm like freaking Marple over here <laughs> Is there a phrase she could have said like, why didn't you say Kyle? Because I know the thing Lisa Vanderpump's referring to where when Lisa put her finger and was a bit like, 
everyone was talking about it when she's telling the story. Mm-hmm. It does look like she's going to be like, we all... She, she does look like she's like bringing in the group. Yeah. So I wondered whether Lisa Vanderpump saying, why didn't you mention Kyle? Was her being like, what's your intention with this story? Are you going to later admit that you and Kyle were talking about it? Or are you going to just make this your thing? Mm-hmm. So I'd wondered whether she did say, why didn't you mention Kyle? But not. That would corroborate the idea of, of her being like, because I'm scared that you're going to make it like we all did this. Mm-hmm. And then going to Kyle and being like, I was worried she was going to make it that you both did. And it would make sense that Lisa Rinna would hear that as being like, why didn't you, why didn't you bring Kyle up? That would have been a better story. Mm-hmm. However, it is also possible that Lisa Vanderpump went out and said goodbye and said, why didn't you say that Kyle was there when you talked about the yeah. Munchausen's thing? Yeah, I completely... Compl- and the com- thing is, there's also part... And there's also part of me that's like, I know that it's not about the thing, it's more about like her not owning it. But considering Lisa R- Rinna's catchphrase is like, own it! In a way, what Lisa Vanderpump was saying is also a thing of owning it, of being like, if we're on a reality show and the idea is to like create drama from what's happened in a way she's not wrong if kyle was there that she's like why didn't you say that kyle was part of that conversation as well right yeah i know that she's fucking over kyle by doing that but like they're all on a reality show where like they fuck each other over all the time i do think kyle's reaction is fascinating Mm. so rinna says the throwing kyle under the bus line first and she says it as if this is going to be a big shock to kyle and kyle's like no i i knew that i knew that months ago I know it because she said it to my face also. And I know Lisa very well. She's a good friend of mine. I know how she works. And I knew at that moment she was trying to throw me under the bus. But I have decided it's not worth it to make a big deal out of this. I'm picking my fights and it's not worth it for me to throw away this friendship over this. And she's saying it with like tears in her eyes. She knows, in her mind at least, that her dear friend has betrayed her. And she's prepared to overlook it because the friendship is arduous enough and she's been punished enough in the past that she doesn't have enough strength, enough fight in her. And that she knows it's to her tactical advantage to maintain this friendship on the show. And then it all elides into weird stuff about how Kyle's not talking to Kathy and Kim at the moment. And you see, you know, it, it, you don't need to be a psychologist to see that Kyle's really like views Lisa as a surrogate big sister and probably projects a lot of what she needs from her sisters onto her. And it just becomes this fascinating study in Stockholm syndrome as she's like attempting to navigate this double-edged sword of a friendship with Lisa right in front of Lisa's face as well. And then Lisa's like sitting there mm. going dumbfounded, being like, "What? what is it? What is it? And it's just really i find it really really interesting i mean we know how i feel about kyle but like it really struck me as a very honest truthful moment but do you not think yeah i just wonder whether part of it is like kyle understands that that kind of thing the throwing under the bus and these things that they all speak about in these huge terms as like betrayals or like enraged or whatever is part of like with this show it's like what's the storyline gonna be who's behind storylines things like that and i feel like part of what kyle's saying is like i'm not getting into a fight with lisa right now over a show thing at a time when our friendship is very genuine and good and i need it and i'm having a really hard time and they're all being like i don't understand she betrayed you how can you not care and i get that it kind of looks a bit stockholm syndrome but i also kind of get if she's being like because it's like a surface level thing right now i wonder whether there's an awareness that it's like lisa does these things for the show Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have an impact on like our real friendship 
underneath. It's that mistake of, my sister said this fascinating thing recently where she was like, we make the mistake of thinking that the emphasis in reality show is on the word reality, that it should be like reality when actually the emphasis should be on the word show. Like it's a show and it's a heightened like show of reality. I wonder whether in that moment, the point is that even if Lisa Vanderpump does these things, we like to think what we're seeing is their reality, but it is a performance. And it feels like in that moment, Kyle's saying, I don't want to have to have a real fight over a performance Mm -hmm. issue. Speaking about the show and reality, this is what I ultimately keep coming back to. And I feel like I can imagine Lisa said this thing about why did you not throw Kyle under the bus? I can imagine that Lisa maybe said something to Brandy like, oh, why didn't you take the magazines about Kyle and Mauricio cheating on her? But it's kind of by the by in a way, because and it's maybe it's like a matter of semantics. You might call it manipulating things behind the camera, or is it Lisa essentially just being a producer and massaging things off camera to put on a good show? I was going to say, it's what all the producers must be doing on the show. It's like a public service. And as a friend, maybe I wouldn't trust her. But as a viewer, can we really fault her when what she's doing is putting on a good show? however problematically and it's like i'm not a blind loyalist to lisa i do believe no, these things may have happened and i really i really agree with what you're saying that i think her digging in of her heels over apologizing is because if she apologizes for one thing the whole thing collapses right. and i think her annoyance often comes from being like why do you all keep pointing out this off-camera thing that we're all doing and the producers are doing to make the yeah. show good and trying to get me to apologize for something that totally will fuck my credibility on the show and Mm -hmm. my integrity so she digs her heels in and tries to just be like can we move can this not be the story and obviously it ultimately is her downfall but i agree that like i don't think what she's doing is like corrupt or makes her a master manipulator i do think that she's a backseat producer and the thing is, I don't think it's a coincidence uh, that, when, that when the the housewives sort of have a hard on for Lisa as a master manipulator, it happens to coincide with the dullest stretch of Beverly Hills. Because the fact is, if they weren't talking about that, there'd be what? They'd be telling each other how fucking fabulous they look and like Teddy would be annoyed with Dorit for being late or asking for something in a different glass. There wouldn't exactly. actually be much happening. And that's what makes me cross is because rather than actually getting on with it and putting on a good show, the housewives are lifting the curtain and sort of exposing the mechanism of the show, mm. which might be compelling as a novelty. Which makes the show work. That's so true. But it, it's not a replacement for the women doing their jobs and being compelling television themselves. But, like you wouldn't see this sort of thing on New York or Atlanta let's just put it that way if they were safe in what they were doing as exactly they wouldn't need to talk about it but also you know when lisa renner in that reunion says about lisa vanderpump saying well there goes the storyline yeah i can totally imagine her saying that as a mm-hmm. wry joke in terms of like oh, well there goes the only thing that we have to talk about this season mm-hmm. because nothing there is no drop there is no storyline yeah and of course taken out of context and said seriously it sounds terrible because it sounds like she's it would be like if someone had cancer and it was like, oh, thank God, the viewers will go up or whatever. Like, it sounds awful, but I can totally picture it. And I think Lisa's defensiveness often comes from being stop attacking my character or my integrity rather than because it necessarily didn't happen. But it's like you say that if she admits to it, then it looks like the she's whole a thing terrible goes person. Yeah, yeah. It looks like she can't be trusted. Yeah. I want to talk about that reunion for a second because we, mm. you know, we, we mentioned it in 
our finale episode last season so check it out if you haven't already but the whole Real Housewives reunions they really do offer an opportunity to sort of break the fourth wall and talk openly about the behind the scenes of production mechanics of the show yeah and I think as a result of that reunions are where Lisa is especially vulnerable because almost all of the grievances against her are about off-camera stuff and there's this implication of a Jekyll and Hyde persona and the women can't really explore the the Hyde side of that until they get to the reunion so they really are a make or break moment for Lisa and it does suddenly get very meta when Rinna says the whole like there goes our fucking storyline thing regardless of how glib Vanderpump was being when she said that it was one of those sort of break the fourth wall moments and it's i Mm. wonder if that how often the word storyline has been used before on the reunions because it does imply a sort of artificiality uh, and like a fiction like the show of reality show that that you were saying Mm. and it has an uneasy relationship with the real housewives when they are meant to be titularly real so concocting like a storyline on The Real Housewives is kind of Rinner's presenting it as this like ideological treason. It's like a really damning remark. And then, of course, it's contrasted by Yolanda's reaction where she's like in tears and she flees the set and she crosses that the line of the cameras, that sort of threshold, which, listen, you know, storming off the set is very much a trope of the reunions these days. And it's almost always performative. But in this case, it reads as very true. And then when Yolanda's coaxed back onto the the sofa and she says with very real tears, she's like, this is my life you're talking about. This is not a storyline for a show. It opens up this whole can of worms about like the ethics of reality TV and the Taylor Armstrong of it all. And it asks again that question that I feel like the Real Housewives and reality TV has never really answered of is reality TV something that you know you're getting yourself into and do you sign away your yeah. soul and anything is fodder for it or do you reserve some privacy and if so how much and how do you maintain that boundary and so in the same way as Kelly Ben Simone in New York saying that I was forced to go on the show by Bravo and Andy saying no you weren't in a similar way here with the whole there goes our fucking storyline thing Lisa in an indirect way and Rinna by making it a public accusation it really brings about a sort of conceptual crisis on the show Mm. and I do think Yolanda puts it well on the reunion when she says to Lisa I think at certain times you know you manipulate things that look great for the show but you can't run over dead bodies to get a great show there needs to be integrity in it and compassion and that should come first and annoyingly like Rinna's nodding her head through the whole thing as if she's had this aha moment she's like exactly exactly own it you need to own it baby and it could be a powerful commentary if the women took that and learned anything from it but the fact is it didn't get which they don't like the very next season Rinna's saying that Kim's close to death and were people doing coke in your bathroom so it's a conveyor belt for anything but compassion and integrity and I love them for it but it's just exactly no that was so that's so fascinating and so true and it's interesting as well the way that in that reunion you know when they're talking about Kyle and Lisa laughing about Yolanda's Instagram post and they show the one of her like head coming out the Mm -hmm. like giant box thing and it's so tricky isn't it because in life it's like of course when Yolanda is sat there stony faced being like well I'm glad that my illness is really funny to you it's like feels awful and gut-wrenching and it makes you go god it's in such bad taste but there is also a human element to which like I've certainly probably laughed at things that I shouldn't with a friend in terms of what you're talking about like where the line is with the show is hard because they're all like how much do I have to say or admit like to everything I've ever done 
in a way that like no human normally mm-hmm. is held accountable or has to sit opposite like right. like for everything they they say or do in well, a way where the... their point is they're like they weren't on camera then and it's like it's that strange thing of like where's the line it's a bit like you're saying about garcelle and the grudge thing how much of it is show and how much of it is reality because if we're doing reality mm-hmm. no one gets over a grudge that fast but right when we say we're doing show, everyone's like, well, you're being inauthentic. You're not owning that thing you said off camera that time where it's like, hang on, which side are we in? Yeah, yeah. And I just, I think it's a very blurred, like the show isn't quite sure at that point because it's asking them all to be inhumanly generous and kind and lovely to get on all of the time. It's like they, the, the women can never decide whether the line is always come to me if you have a problem mm-hmm. like eric is a big one for this where it's always like you should have come straight to me or whatever but then when someone does that it's often like you came on camera and you tried to humiliate me by bringing yeah. up that thing that i'm really sensitive about it's like they can never decide what the it's always the one that it's not if that makes sense it's right, like right right no and it's yeah it's always like this double standard of or having to be really thick-skinned in the sense that you get over your grudges in time for next season but you have to be really thin-skinned in the moment to be like that really hurt my feelings exactly when you laughed at me when i was praying by the trash can that really hurt my feelings <laughs> and it's like it was funny it looked funny we know you're a recovering alcoholic it wasn't the fact that you were praying it's because you're next to a trash can but that's a it perfect funny. example where it's like sometimes we like we things happen in life where you could take anything in, out of its context and be like that was really hurtful and they do that all the time let's get on to loosey goosey mm. juicy moosey because uh, oh, it's been it like two yeah. hours This season was such an interesting example of like, Teddy did something categorically bitchy. Also, in all of this, I feel like we really lose why... I don't understand why Dorit's feet aren't held to the fire more on this. Right. And everyone jumps very quickly into being like, your children were in danger. Like, of course you gave the dog away. It's like, I'm sorry if you took it. First of all, it's... For anyone who doesn't know, I realise that we didn't give like any context to any of these situations this episode. I think we've started to assume that everyone knows what we're talking about. Get with the programme. To be honest, we've talked so seriously this episode. It feels like an episode of The Daily. I'm like, if you don't, like, if you're not up to it feels like we're expecting you to keep up about as much as like an episode of Line of Duty. But yeah, just a little bit of context. Vanderpump has opened Vanderpump Dogs, which is a rescue shelter. Or does it, or it takes dogs from rescue shelters. And looks after them. I think it is its own rescue shelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dorit gets a dog from Vanderpump Dogs. Mm-hmm. The first dog doesn't work out. That's an important detail that's always conveniently brushed over. Mm. There are two dogs. Lucy Juicy was number two. Oh, I actually forgot that. She had a first dog that didn't work out and they gave the dog back okay then she got another dog which she says was like a nightmare with her kids bit her kids bit pj pk (laughs) 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 bit pbj on the nose (laughs) and for some reason dorit tells this whole story of like this woman came around and she loved the dog and so we gave the dog to her and for some reason they seem to give the dog to like a strange another woman right it's all very yeah that woman then put the dog in 
Now, did it actually get put in like a kill home in like a... She, so the woman who then took the dog, it didn't work out with her either. So rather than returning it to Vanderpump Dogs, she returned it to another shelter that happened to be a kill shelter. But because the dog was chipped, the kill shelter scanned it and they were like, oh, it came from Vanderpump Dogs. So they gave it back to Lisa Vanderpump. Now, I don't understand why Dorit isn't falling over herself to be like, I can't believe the woman gave it to a kill shelter. That's always like quite brushed over of like, Dorit's very much made the victim in this whole situation. Yeah. And also it's one of those things where Lisa's relationship with animals and dogs in particular is really trivialised. I know that everyone comes back quite often to this thing of being like, she seems to like love animals more than she loves people. Again, I think it's quite a British sensibility to only be able to be, for some people, like in touch with your emotions or sentimental when it comes to animals. Mm. And be very like uncomfortable with sentimentality with other people. Yeah, I'm the same way. If someone I'm said the that same to me, way. I'd be like, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that that's very important. So I think that this whole dog situation gets so trivialized where it would be totally different if it was like one of the women's kids. Or I mean, obviously, I know it's not the same, but I think what the what they're missing the point of it's not about her caring about a dog more than like someone's children. It's that that's how Lisa expresses like emotion. So she feels very passionately about it Mm -hmm. in a way that like this is what you've been asking for from her for like nine seasons. So also, okay, I'm going to come back to the next thing I was going to say, but so Dorit, so the dog gets given away. Lisa's brother has just killed himself. Mm-hmm. Another thing which for some reason is like moved past really quickly on the show. <laughs> really shocking. <laughs> and something I have to talk about is like when they are all on holiday, this is another thing where the show expects you to be just like, okay, really quick. Like you're allowed to be like grieving for your dead brother for like the amount of time we give you, but then we really need you to like move on with the show. Right. Lisa Vanderpump, when she says to Erica, I wish you'd kind of shown up a bit more when that happened. I would have liked more. And Erica's response, it really annoys me when she comes in so hard with being like, first of all, being like, I knew this would happen. And that's why I took a photograph of the greetings card that I sent with the flowers so that she couldn't use this on me. And they show the greeting card and it's literally like, sorry for your loss from Erica. Like, yeah, I'm like, your greetings card absolutely proves her point. It did. And you it admitted that you were quite old. calculated as to write this card and then take a photo of it. Super weird. The whole like it just shows your heart wasn't in it in any way when you wrote this. So card. weird. Then again, also like let's compare that, like you were saying, with Lisa Vanderpump coming up to Eileen and being like, I'm so sorry to hear that your mum died. Compa- it's like where the fact that they're being like, her brother just killed himself and she's probably gonna try and use this against me is so weird yeah. as a response. But the fact that then when she's trying to say to Erica, like, it, w- I would have liked a bit more and is actually being quite vulnerable and Erica, like, throws down her pudding Ugh. and is like, I-, I can't even eat this. It's, I, I hate it. Yeah. And I think, it, again, it's very indicative of the way they will behave for the rest of the season where it's like the lack of understanding of the pain that's happening there. Well, Kyle says it in her, like at Vanderpump Dogs, Lisa starts crying and she's like, I'm just so sorry. I'm just going through a lot right now. My brother just killed himself. And Kyle says something along the lines of, Lisa, we all have stuff in our life. And it's that thing of, reality TV has sort of uh, modulated any kind of emotional turmoil to be sort of equal footing you know right when it's actually no this is one for it to be like 
Lucy Juicy, just like Bit PK. Like, we've all got things going. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's put on this similar, you know, you've got Dorit that season being a bit like, my children. Like, it nearly hurt my children. And you're like, how is this the thing? Like, your ooh, children anyway. are like two and one. They don't have a clue what's going on. They're fine. <laughs> so, Teddy. Now, one thing I'm going to say that I don't think ever helps Lisa's cause is the people she surrounds herself with. I really can't stand the guy who works at Vanderpump oh. Dogs, who's like, yeah, we found her in a kill in a kill shelter. Yeah, it was really sad or whatever. Where you're Hasn't just, he like, just like got the dog between his breasts or something? It's like half hanging out of his blouse. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm like, yeah. it cheapens the whole thing and it really makes the argument very hard to go with because it makes it look like you've chosen those people as your spokespeople and it makes the story very sentimental. It's like, that very cod piece thing that I was talking about with Kyle, like being a cod piece with Kim. When then Lisa's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't get the dog out. Put the dog away, put the dog away. I don't want anyone to yeah. see the dog. Don't talk about the dog. <laughs> And everyone's like, what, what, what dog? <laughs> no, no, there's no dog. <laughs> exactly. So Teddy, for some, again, gets massively brushed over that Teddy is communicating. What's his name? Because they say it so much. There's John. Season. John. Storm or something. It's like a porn star name. John Blizzard. Exactly. John, John Blizzard. Yeah. Uh, John Blizzard. Teddy's been in contact with John Blizzard a lot like they seem to be it's really it's so weird and john blizzard's told her about the dog and then it's like the dog's gonna be there tomorrow anyway the point is that teddy is the one who literally you can see in her messages she's like yeah bring out the dog right she completely does a shitty thing if you know what I don't even think it's that shitty a thing because I really think the person who should be being held responsible is Dorit I don't understand why they're not all like going like Dorit why didn't you talk to Lisa it is weird having given one did you not give the second dog back because you were embarrassed because you'd already had to give one dog back Mm -hmm. I don't it's not interrogated enough and also I'm like do you think of dogs as like new purses slash I think you take better care of your purses like it's so I just can't stand it But Teddy is completely caught in her shitty thing. And for some reason, the whole thing gets twisted against Lisa. Despite the fact that you can see that Lisa is so thrilled when she pulls out the... When when Ken gets the message, Teddy's messages with John Blizzard. Right. Because you can see that they're like, this is the third time that this has happened. And this time, we have the smoking gun. And they're like, this time... Yeah. We have the evidence that Lisa didn't do the shitty thing. And for some reason, Dorit's whole response is to be like, mm, yeah, I still I still believe Teddy, who I also haven't liked for the last two seasons. Like, I just get very hit up by yeah. this is exactly what I'm saying about the flakiness thing. There's something so weird that season about the way that Dorit suddenly is like completely, purely yeah. by Teddy owning her shit and being like, I did a really shitty thing. Dorit's like, now Literally I... in a tacky-ass chapel in Erica's house by going through the pomp and circumstance of confession. It's like, now I, now yeah. we all love her. It's like she's been baptised and absolved of all of her sins. And it's a couple of points. First mm. of all, this is a PSA to everyone at Bravo. Can we please stop calling the plural of text, Texas? <laughs> yeah. I pulled up her Texas. It drives me mental. <laughs> Even Ken is like, well, I got Teddy's Texas and she was involved in the dog thing. <laughs> the second thing I was going to say is that with the whole no one holding Dorit to account reminds me of that thing that 
previously when I thought about this was just a hypothetical. And we kind of saw it play out in this most recent reunion with Garcelle and Rinna of people often, white people might do something that's racially problematic. And then if someone of color calls them out for that and gets anywhere near to the word racist, everyone is like, whoa, that's a big word that you just used there. Getting more offended by the person who's been wronged and making that yeah. accusation being more offended by the word racist than the racism oh my god i can't believe dorit's thing about like like we make sure that our children have so much diversity oh my god it's so she's like embarrassing the maids the cleaners the nans. and then it's like <laughs> so it's just people who work for you no and she doesn't even do the classic my best friend's black it's my mum's best friend is black oh it's just god. oh my god <laughs> to read <laughs> citizen of the world my eye oh my so God. bad um so bad but yes that weird thing that like no one's calling her out on it because it's like because the, the crime isn't is like the issue. no because then dorit the would crime. be a, exactly because then it's like dorit would be like an animal abuser and it's like but she should be held account to what she did and exactly and then if i were a producer i would throw my hands up in the air i'd want to call a meeting with the women and be like listen this is the third time now in the run of this show where you've done this we're chugging along nicely with a storyline and then you decide that you're gonna expose how we got here it really reminds me there was an episode of big brother i watched years ago where there was like a tree in the garden and it was like the sin tree or something and there was someone out a contestant in the garden by himself and the tree was talking to him and it said okay listen like if you get some like ketchup and pour it all over someone's bed then we're gonna like reward you for that but like you have to keep it a secret and you have to make sure no one sees you doing it and it was like a fun thing so the guy immediately, as soon as the trees told him to do this, walks straight into the house and he's like, guys, this tree is talking to me. It's going to tell you to do stuff and turn on each of us. And it's like, but, so you fucking, that was like the whole twist of the season, <laughs> this fucking tree. And now you've given it away. So what are we, you better have something better than what the tree had planned. <laughs> because now we're just going to watch a really boring season. Like, why would you do that? Like, and it's the same thing here. It's like, if you were in, if you, exactly. you better have some good drama, if you're going to expose the goings on behind another drama which to be fair we get oh. goodbye kyle <laughs> goodbye kyle <laughs> oh. so, do you have anything that's else to- so true and no it just like that whole season i remember it making me really angry and definitely that thing that it's like out of all i agree that i think the dubai season has the most weight behind it for reasons for people to be frustrated where with this season it feels absolutely just like because it's happened twice before everyone's like "Mm, i'm gonna believe yeah i actually think it's the weakest argument that they have so weak yeah and the thing that lisa always comes back to that we were saying earlier that she keeps just being like well then why would any of you want to be my friend yeah i think really stands and it kind of and it's really sad that she just kind of peters out the show because it's a bit like fine then i won't do the show and we just have to watch her for five weeks renovating her kitchen it's just sad to see her just peter out in the way that she does but i will say that just to emphasize the point again this is what annoys me about the whole lisa the manipulator storyline the women would have a half decent argument if they were all innocent of doing the same thing but they have the same skill set as lisa and the fact is once lisa taps out of the race they're all quick to pick up the baton and practice the techniques that they've been taught by her. For sure. When housewives leave the show, there's always that weird thing when, and I feel like we often do it, we don't really talk a lot about what happens to the women post them being on the show or like drama on Twitter and stuff like that. We tend to just talk about them as storylines on a show. And there's often that kind of push and pull between what's canon 
if it's happened on the show, that's real. If it's happened off the show, then it almost like doesn't exist in the world of real housewives. So it often feels like when housewives leave the show, it's like a death and they cease to exist anymore. And we kind of touched on that with Kim and her being a bit of a ghost that's half in this world and half not. Mm. And it's almost, it's, it's like taken a step further with Lisa where they treat it as if they've like sacrificed her for the greater good of the show. So once in the final episode, Lisa stopped filming and they all meet at like Kyle's house, I guess, in her back garden for a picnic. And it's one last hurrah. And they're having this dinner on a picnic table, presumably on top of Lisa's grave. And it all has this very uncanny, <laughs> like wholesome vibe to it. Like it's very midsummer. They're all wearing like garlands and yes, flowers. Yeah. There's like birds <laughs> tweeting. Everything's very prairie. And in my head, they're all wearing like pigtails and gingham dresses. And like their behavior, they're all being so robotically polite. They're very Stepford wives. And there's a sense that the like women- Like they're free. Yeah, like they're working overtime to have a united front to say now that Lisa's out of the picture, the world has been set to rights. Like she was everything that, that is, is negative. So funny. She is this cancer, this pustule that's infected the group. And now we've exactly. cut her out. Everything's copacetic. It's almost like they're going to break out into brand new day or something from the whiz. It's like, it, like <laughs> and it's, and the fact is, is that discord has continued long after the show as it should because of things like manipulation. And this is all a good thing. It's the name of the game. You know, it's so true. It's, it really reminds me of Bethany in a way that it's like, it's like exactly that thing of being like, hurrah, we've cut out the cancer. And it's like, turns out that that particular cancer was kind of the spine of the show. Yeah. Kind of held the show up. And I think with Bethany, it's slightly different because I did find her... Um, quite difficult in her last season uh, oh no I didn't it, that was her second to last season but with Lisa like you say it absolutely is made a bit like she has to go yeah and uh, and of course it didn't change anything it didn't make no you know it, I think it's so true what you're saying that they like picked up a lot of her techniques and also it lost a huge amount of humor Lisa was very funny and was very uh, had a lot of authenticity in her humour with people on the show that felt very genuine and very lovely. Mm. And I think, but then I've said to you, I think the show's become a bit of a pastiche of itself in a way that the, in a way I'm glad she's not there because quite how overblown, like, I really miss Lisa wandering around Villarosa in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt mm. or wearing that white dress at tennis with the trainers because it's funny even though she's very together and done up there is something kind of boring but lovely and down to earth about the stuff with her family or with mm. max or with her just cooking dinner i really buy all of that the fact that she and ken just like to have a cup of tea in the afternoon i really believe that they're still at villa rosa doing that yeah whereas i don't buy pk and dorit's like anniversary dinner thing where she's like in full gucci or whatever right. it is for just like date night or whatever it is like i don't believe that that's what they would do if there weren't cameras there. Well, the thing is, I just thought this now, Lisa wandering around Villa Rosa with her swans and in her jeans and stuff is not that dissimilar from Kathy in her massive house, in her sweats, howling at her dogs. And everyone finds it hilarious and charming and they think that she's really inoffensive. When actually, we've seen Kathy make jabs, you know, and stir the pot. And when she brought up the whole like, peeping Thomasina thing and getting that whole Sutton and Crystal fight up and running again. Like she sure. can be two more Kathy. seasons. Kathy could do the same stuff and everyone, the right people could suddenly be like, Kathy's actually very manipulative or difficult, whatever. We're very presented with like how to feel about things. And much like this impression that Lisa 
picks up a new person constantly and adores them and then drops them. The show does the same thing. We could love Kathy this season and in two seasons they could decide that it's time for us to hate her. I think this is the other thing as well. These shows, much like when they leave, they die. The Real Housewives tends to reward longevity more than anything else. And we all know that history is sort of written by the, the victors on the show. So that means that the people who last the longest, the likes of Kyle and Rinna are the victors and Lisa Vanderpump is now a loser. And they've written a history in which... Mm. Lisa's legacy is of this consummate manipulator. And while there are, and hopefully we've this has come across in the episode, there are definitely instances of that. They're also a small part of a much more layered, wonderful player on The Real Housewives. And the manipulation is not exclusive to her. And I think that really the ultimate gag is that by selling us this kind of cheap and half-baked version of Lisa... We, the audience, have been manipulated by those still on the show into thinking that about her. That's so interesting. Also, it's funny about how, because she didn't come to that last reunion, it was very much written by the show as an act of cowardice, where actually it seems to me just a continuation of her saying to them, like, why would you want to be my friend if I'm this terrible person? That it felt like she didn't come because she was like, in the same way that she seemed to stop mm-hmm. filming, that she was like, why should I keep doing the show if doing the show is just me being painted as a villain and having every one come at me and it felt like she didn't come to the reunion because it was like why would I put myself through that I don't want to come back yeah but it definitely got made like her final statement was that she was a coward and and also as an admission of guilt it's like a drawn out version of the whole thing that we're saying with Carlton last week where Andy was like so you're never going to get over your fight with Kyle and Carlton's like nope and then it the reunions and the shows reward wrapping up a storyline however artificially and, and hugging and making exactly and that's that garcelle lisa renna thing that was really twee was that it felt like the show was like no 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 we need you to hug and make up yeah. otherwise garcelle you may not come back right next season yeah oh god that was intense that was intense i feel cleansed i feel like i really purged something there it was a catharsis did you cut out the cancer i did now we can dance around the maypole yes <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you on Hamster Heath. I realised that at the beginning, we never even said sorry for not being here last oh, week. Oh, shit, so yeah. Obviously, apologies. Ellie was travelling. I was in prison. Much like Lisa and Kyle, I was off in Tuscany. Second holiday of the season. I know. It's all right for some. But I feel like we've given like a bumper episode today. Exactly. This has been... A big one. Yeah. So what are we going to come and, and talk about? God, what are we, what are we going to come together and talk about next week? <laughs> um, what do you want to do, Rinna? Shall we? Why not? We Why not? So let's do it. Own it. Own it. <laughs> how are you, Kim? Kim, how are you, Kim? How are you? Darcel? Do it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, let's oh, do yeah. it. Rinna. Yeah. Oh, it's me doing the outro. Yeah. I'll do it with as much energy as Lisa Renner. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Now, make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating if you'd simply tell your friends about the show. That would help us out too. Oh, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! Oh, Jiggy, <laughs> sex monster! Oh, rubby, rubby. <laughs> Rumpy <laughs> puppy. <laughs> <laughs>